Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm Marco Arment. And I'm David Smith. Under the Radar is never longer than 30 minutes, so let's get started. So today we're going to do um, a little sort of a two-part episode, um, unpacking two two topics that I think aren't in, on their own long enough for, for a whole episode, but I think we're worth discussing. And at first, we're going to talk um, about WWDC 2018. Woohoo! Woo! Um, it was uh, just announced um, as we we're recording. It was announced yesterday, I think, or the day before, um, and. It is going to be June 4th through 8th, um, and it is back in San Jose. Um, so after uh, last year, clearly Apple liked wh- how that event went and how the flow of things went, and you know that that was, San Jose worked better for them, and it, it worked really well for uh, for me as an attendee. So I'm glad that they're back, and it's going to be June uh, 4th through 8th. And uh, just like previous years, it is going to be tickets are going to be offered through a random selection process and um you have until thursday march 22nd um so for most of you listening to this uh, it's probably about you know next thursday um but you have until then to put your name into the hat and see what happens um and you know otherwise the rest of the logistics and things seem fairly uh straightforward and um as before you know there's going to be a keynote there'll be a variety of sessions labs consultations uh, a few events that'll happen lunchtime seminars like it it, so far at least anyway there's nothing um, unusual or unexpected about this it is very much as expected which is you know probably a good thing uh in many ways but um it's probably also a time that i thought the actual topic that is probably beyond just sort of talking announcing that making sure that you knew that but i would be very surprised if you listen to a show like this if you didn't realize that wbc was announced um but i think it's always interesting every year to talk about uh, who should go to it um whether you should put your name in the hat should you come out to san jose if you don't get a ticket should you go to one of the other conferences that's going to be in san jose um so I think that's probably the place that uh, we'll discuss most. And it's probably fair to start off by saying uh, I expect to I will, I, ex- I am planning to be in San Jose during that week. Um, either way, whatever happens, I expect to be there. Um, I'm putting my name into the lottery and uh, hopeful that I will get a ticket and be able to attend. Uh, for me personally, uh, it's it's just a it's always a good opportunity. I always learn things. I never regret having a ticket, being, going and meeting. You know, I spend probably a half to two thirds of my time in the labs talking to Apple engineers, uh, a little bit in sessions, meeting people like that is it's, it's just a very useful time. It's a very productive time for me. Um, and it's just a very motivating time, honestly. A time where I can go and be, you know, excited about the new technology and the new things that are coming up in a different way because there's a different experience. You know, when you see when you see an API come out, um, going down to the labs and talking to the person who wrote it, um, a you learn a lot of cool stuff, but be also I like that you it's just exciting because you get to you know share talk to somebody who has been working on this for you know months or years, um, you know, talk about the thing that they're excited about and that kind of rubs off in a cool way. Um, what about you, Marco? What are your plans? Um, somewhat similar. So I'm definitely going to San Jose. Um, I am not entering the lottery, um, and, and I'm not going to seek a ticket to the conference. Um, I I have found, and and I know you know we talk about this every year, as many sure. podcasts do. Um, and I, and I do think there is some value in talking about it again every year because everything subtly changes every year. And, and, you know, there are different conditions, different priorities for people, um, different reasons why you might or might not want to go to certain things. Um, so I do think it's worth talking about these things again every year because they're, they aren't all the same, all, always the same. Um, 
I also want to take a moment to uh, kind of thank anybody listening who happened to be at Apple who is in this area because this stuff used to be a lot harder and a lot worse. Like just like the arrangement of getting, you know, the, the, the conference used to be announced somewhat late pretty often. Like sometimes some years it would go into April before we would even know when or if there would be a conference. I think it was, t- it was typically in April for several years. Um, yeah, exactly. Like it, there was, there were some bad times where like it started to get, to, to get dangerously close to the, to the time you'd want to be like booking travel and stuff before they would even tell you what week it would be. Um, and, and, you know, there, there were some bad times there and, you know, in recent years they've been a little bit earlier about it, which is nice. Um, that, you know, their, their average is getting way better in that, in that regard. They also moved it to San Jose, and I know a lot of people last year were kind of wary, um, and some people didn't like the move. I personally loved the move because I'm sure there are lots of nice parts of San Francisco, but none of them are around the Moscone Center. <laughs> and so, like, you know, for for those of us who would ha- who would you know travel to be there, we weren't seeing the good stuff in the city. We were seeing the worst parts of the city, and just just everything was just like dirty and very expensive and you know not well run and just was not a very of not a very pleasant place to visit especially considering how much money we were paying to be there um and san jose you know i I, again i haven't seen most of the city but the parts i did see that were around the conference center are way more friendly towards conference use um you know everything is you know everything within walking distance is great there's tons of amazing like restaurants and coffee shops everything is clean and feels reasonably safe and it, there's tons of hotels right there like it, it's just a really nice environment compared to the area around Moscone and san francisco and so the move to san jose and, and, and i wasn't there i didn't have a ticket uh, last year but from what i've been told from people who did the conference center itself also seems more pleasant and and nicer and everything and there was that cool like outdoor space in front of it so like it just seems like a, a nicer place to have this conference so good on apple for for keeping it here again this year which i, I would guess is the, the new permanent home of it and it's just really nice to be there compared to San Francisco. And it's also extra nice that we were told about it once again with a lot of time to spare. Um, and I think this is even earlier than we learned about it last year. And so it gives people time to do things like book flights before they're incredibly expensive. Um, international visitors need to get visas and possibly file their paperwork uh, or get passports in line. Um, you know, you, you have event planning for people who are who are hosting events, uh, like our friends at Relay and like us at ATP. We're hosting live shows. Uh, visit AltConf to, to learn more about that. The AltConf is arranging it just like last year. Um, and so that, that'll be fun. Go get tickets. And so... You know, it's really nice to have all this established with enough time and everything. So just like the logistics of WWDC, I think, are improving substantially over time. And uh, some of that's Apple, some of that's San Jose, and it's just, it's just really nice. Yeah. Anyway. I mean, I, I can say for myself, it's just the difference in going to San Jose versus – I mean, I went to San Francisco for years, and it's it was like – it was – it was always just sort of fine. And I went, after going for a few years, I kind of knew where to go and where not to go. Like San, the area we were in San Francisco is one of these funny places where if you took like a wrong turn, you went two blocks the wrong way, you could find yourself in some very more sketchy areas than, um, you know, if you go two blocks the other way. And so it was just one of these things that you had to learn and you had to kind of be thoughtful about. But in San Jose, I mean, I walked around the convention center. Um, the place I stayed last year was a few blocks away, and the whole time it was just if it just felt nice. Like I think it, it's, it wasn't particularly. It's not. It doesn't maybe it's not a, a city that has a tremendous amount of unique character. I would say, um, but 
it, it's like if it has a character, it's its character is just like nice and friendly. Like it's just there's nothing inoffensive. There's nothing problematic about it. It was just nice. Um, and so that was something that I certainly enjoyed. Um, and the, you know, the conference itself, I think worked well, um, at the, at the convention center they have there, it, it, you know, logistically that it didn't feel crowded or problematic in that way, uh, compared to Moscone. And, you know, I didn't, overall, I w- it was definitely, it was, you know, a marked improvement, I think over the, the, the year before, over, you know, the previous years. And I mean, I'm sure it makes sense for them logistically to be there, um, given how close it is to their campus, um, that, you know, I got, I, I, one thing I will say is I did notice that there was a lot more, uh, I think there were more, Af- I got the, there were more Apple employees and people either attending or you know, around during the day, um, or even just around in general that I think I ran into a lot more people, uh, who worked at Apple who were able to just, you know, they could just come out for, uh, for a few hours. Um, and it wasn't a big deal, you know, they could, or I even had some, you know, some friends I know who work at Apple who could be able to like, you know, they could put their kids to bed and then come out for an, you know, come out for an evening, have a a meal or a drink or something like that, and then just go back home. And it wasn't a big deal. And that's, I think, a lovely um, addition about it being so close rather than it being, you know, all the way up in downtown San Francisco. Exactly. Yeah. So this year I am, you know, as I said, I'm I'm not going to seek a ticket to the conference, um, but that's not to say no one else should. Uh, The the reason why I don't seek tickets anymore uh, starting last year is that I, I'm just busy doing a lot of podcast stuff and social stuff, and I I was getting less and less use out of the tickets I was getting um, because there was so much other stuff that I was there to do as well. And so I don't want to take up a slot for somebody who would actually use the ticket more than I would. Like I was, there were days where I would miss like you know three of the four time slots, and that that just felt like a waste. Um, so you know, better that somebody else use it. But otherwise, you know, if you are the kind of person who would use a conference ticket and actually go to the sessions and go to the labs, um, that it's very, very much worth it. Um, Also, you know, big props to Apple for making all the videos available faster and faster each year to the point where now they're just live streaming most of them. Um, That like, that's awesome. And it, if you don't get a ticket, it, they still make the content of the conference very accessible and pretty quickly too. Uh, so that's that's pretty great. Um, so I, I think one of the main reasons to go to it is to both have the like the kind of like assignment that this is what you are here to do. That way you will actually sit down and watch the, watch the sessions, as opposed to like what always happens to me is like I'll make a list when I see the sessions. Like I want to watch this, 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 and this, and then I don't usually i rarely actually get to them so it is nice to to you know have like that kind of assignment of like this is what you're here to do um and of course access to the people in person access to the labs etc um but if you if you don't get a ticket again not if not a huge problem because you can watch all those videos if you are more disciplined than i am and there's a few other benefits to doing it that way like you can watch them you can like watch them whenever you want you can pause them you can watch them at 2x or at 1.5 or you can search the transcripts like there are a lot of benefits to uh, watch them on video as well i was trying to decide if, if how if, if i was going to like try if i was going to give advice to somebody if he was on the fence and like you know should, should i go or should i not and i think what i ended up saying is it's like if you're unsure you should probably put your name in the hat and try and get a ticket if you you you'll likely know you don't want to go or you'll know you do want to go um, like if you, if you're on one of those extremes, then fair enough. Like I think in your situation, you just know you know for a fact that it's not it's not a good fit for you anymore. 
And like, that's great. And I think you would probably know that. And there are many people I know um, who come out to San Jose during that time with no intention of, you know, going to the conference because they just want to be there. It's, you know, it's the sort of the event that everyone goes to. Um, and so it makes sense to go. But if you're kind of on the fence, I feel like it's one of these things that if you're not sure, then just try for it. Because I think you it's very unlikely that you'll regret having a ticket um, if you were unsure. If you were coming from a place like, maybe, maybe not, will I get a lot out of it? It's like, it's it's just a unique opportunity to, especially if you've never been, um, it's, 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 it's a nice experience. It's, you know, just from a... Um, you know, some, something to be a part of and to, you know, to go to an Apple keynote and see what, you know, sort of experience one of those in person. And you never know exactly what's going to be announced, which also kind of is one of these things that one of the reasons for me in the back of my mind, too, is, I, you know, whether I the information, certainly from the sessions, I can get my, you know, immediately online uh, myself. And in many ways, honestly, that is because of how they're doing that now, where it's so immediately available. Um, I think last year, it, I went to very few sessions comparatively. Um, and what I found I did is I spent most of my time in the labs, which is the kind of the irreplaceable experience. And whenever there wasn't a lab uh, available for me that, you know, it was useful and productive for me to go to. I just went and sat down and, you know, watched a 2X and skipped around all of the sessions that I, you know, missed while I was in the last couple of sessions of labs. And, you know, it was a very efficient, focused way to do it. And, um, you know, allowed me to avoid the situation when you're, you know, when you're trying to go to sessions of sometimes there's two things that you want to do. And like that way I could just watch them both uh, and be very efficient about it. And, you know, often, There'll be sections of sessions that uh, aren't relevant for you, but you know some sessions, some parts of them that are, um, and so it's very convenient to be able to skip over stuff that that isn't relevant. So that was something that I found. But I think in general, my advice is, it's like if you're coming out with or without a ticket, and that's probably also worth mentioning. There are going to be other conferences. I, I know Layers has. Uh, announced, which is more of a design conference, has announced that they're going to be doing something there. There's AltConf, which is, um, you know, is a more traditional um, kind of developer conference, uh, you know, with with a variety of different presentations done. And I'm sure there's going to be other events uh, during the day, as well as things in the evening. You know, there's going to be a variety of podcast live shows. And there's a lot of reason to be in San Jose, even if you don't get a ticket. Um, but I think it's worth trying for a ticket unless you are absolutely sure that um, it's not a fit for you. Yeah, exactly. And like one strategy I heard uh, from people here and there is like maybe try to go to every other one or every third one. And sometimes you 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 might want you might look at like what what do we expect to be uh, unveiled and try to gauge from that like whether or not you should go. And I think that's that's kind of a, a real hit or miss strategy because even if you follow all the rumor cycles about what Apple's doing this year and everything, um, the rumor cycles suggest that this might be a somewhat quiet year because a lot of stuff got delayed with that quality push uh, that we heard about a few weeks ago. But that doesn't mean that there won't be like new APIs and stuff. Like there's there's new APIs every year. And you you really can never know going into it, like unless you have really good info better than all of us, like you really can't know like is this going to be a big deal for developers or not. Um, you know, whatever's happening on the consumer side or the product release side, uh, it does not usually have a strong uh, bearing to what's happening on the on the developer side. Like Snow Leopard, like the no features release of Mac OS, had massive developer changes under the hood. That, that like you know that year, if you were a Mac developer, you really should have been there. You know, so like it, 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 don't try to guess. Like, oh well, it'll be a good year or a bad year. Just go if you can, especially since nowadays you aren't guaranteed to get in every year anymore you know you have to just put your name in the lottery and hope for the best and some years you might get it and some years you might not and so you know basically go if you can uh, if you feel that it's worth it to you and, and don't try to guess what's going to be there 
Anyway, we are sponsored this week by Zojo, X-O-J-O. Zojo is a cross-platform development tool for creating native apps for the desktop, mobile, web, and even the Raspberry Pi. Zojo currently supports macOS, Windows, Linux, iOS, and even Android is coming soon. With Zojo, you write just one version of your app, say, for example, on the Mac, and then you literally just check a checkbox and have a completely native Windows version as well. Zojo uses native controls so your app looks at home on every platform. You'll be able to build apps 10 times faster, which will save you time and money. Zojo is great for everyone from newbies to professional developers alike. It's currently used by over 300,000 developers worldwide, from students to Fortune 500 companies. Go take a look at their site and you will see just how many companies you know that use Zojo. Zojo is free to use, but licenses are required to build standalone applications so you can see for yourself, try it out, see how it is for you. Go to zojo.com slash radar, that's x-o-j-o dot com slash radar to find out more and listeners of the show can get 20% off any license with the code radar thank you so much to zojo for their support of this show so for a second part of this episode something that i wanted to just briefly more briefly touch on is you wrote um, a blog post i wrote a blog post it's been a long time but i wrote a blog post um and if you've been following my blog for any amount of time it was it is as almost all of them are it is me unpacking some kind of numbers um thing like i made a spreadsheet and then i'm like writing my book report about my spreadsheet <laughs> that's that's really that's really what i do for blogging um so this particular one is a, talking about uh, apple watch adoption and the by that i mean the adoption of the new series of apple watches and the hope that this has given me that um this fall we may see or i guess it would be probably at wwdc honestly that apple would announce that they would be um sort of deprecating the first generation uh, apple watch what i would call it the series zero apple watch um because and i am hopeful about this a well it's probably worth to say the reason i would love to see that happen is having spent a tremendous amount of time developing for the apple watch um, i mean i've spent the better part of the last couple of years with that being my primary focus um, or at least all of the apps that i'm making are apple watch related uh, it is there is a clear and definitive difference but developing for the Apple Watch Series Zero and for the one, two, and three that came after it. Um, it is n- noticeably slower. It has worth worse battery life. Um, just in many aspects, it is just a distinctly worse device, and that often makes sense. You know, it was the device that they could get out the door. It was the first thing. Um, you know, they've learned lots of lessons since then, and so on. Like, there's so so many things that I go into. I'm sure why that first device is not as good and as a developer i would love to see them drop it off and um, i was specifically motivated to write this blog post because um for the first time last week the apple watch series 3 so the brand new super fast like amazing battery life lasts forever apple watch crossed over um, and became the most popular uh apple watch overall uh, across all the different lines which is encouraging for me insofar as i think it means that you know the we're seeing a pattern that was somewhat similar to the early versions of the iPhone, where the subsequent versions of the iPhone, you know, sold dramatically in higher volume than the previous versions, and so would slowly start to eclipse um, the others in usage. And so you have this very fortu- you know, virtuous cycle where it may not be crazy for Apple to, you know, an, an end of life the Series Zero, even though it's only two or three years later. Um, because you know the sales and volume of the new stuff is just is going so well and that's what i'm seeing you know right now 
the Series Zero uh, is down to about 24% um, of users, and you know the Apple Watch Series Three is 33%, and it's only been you know it's only been available since September, so it's on a, clearly on a very fast up, uptick trajectory, and so that's just kind of cool to see. And so I, it's it's kind of I always love doing these kind of things like I, you know where I can look at the data and have a justification for you know the hope that I the hope that I feel rather than just like crossing my fingers and being like, come on, Apple, you can do it, you know, make my life that much easier. Um, and hopefully allow me to do more stuff. Yeah, because like so much of what we complain about with watchOS, I, I have a feeling is is held back by what that first watch can do because it was so limited. You know, it was so like pushing the boundaries of the of the available technology, and and you know, it's it was it, the earlier we can get rid of that as compatibility for the OS, the more the OS can do, and the better the APIs could plausibly be. Now that's not to say that they've squeezed everything out of it that they possibly could. Uh, I don't think I don't think that's true at all. Uh, but it certainly is a pretty significant limiting factor. And they could always do stuff like conditional inclusion of new features on it. Like for example, suppose they finally give me some kind of you know background audio thing. They could say like, well, you background audio doesn't just is not allowed for non workout apps on the original Apple Watch. You know, they could always do stuff like that. Uh, I don't. I don't see them doing that, honestly, but but they could. Um, but I, I too, just, boy, I can't wait <laughs> until that goes away um, because I want so badly for watchOS to be better. You know, y- you have a lot more success on it than I do because you make a lot more different app types and, and you your focus on, like, health and fitness apps really helps a lot with the watch because it is focused on health and fitness. And so, you know, you, you get a lot of capability from the OS and the OS is kind of like working with you instead of against you much of the time. Whereas with audio, it's really working against you almost all the time. And for a lot of app types, you know, this is probably the case on the watch. And so, so many developers have similar problems as I do, which is like, just you're, you're kind of just fighting the watch at every step of the way. And, and even as users, you know, a lot of times users are fighting every step of the way to do, you know, stuff that seems like it should be basic. Um, or there's just features that are missing that you just wish were there and they're just not. Or you wish they were better or you wish they were faster. And so much of watchOS and so much of its problems all revolve around the incredible extreme need it has for RAM and power management. And CPU to some extent also, um, but I have a feeling RAM is is a, is a huge limiting factor, which affects things like you know backgrounding of things. Um, power management affects things like how often things can get refreshed, how often data can get refreshed, how often you can get background launched, background refreshed, and anything they can do to cut off old hardware will be able to move those goalposts forward. And I don't know that they will move them forward, but it'll at least give them the option to. And that's that helps everybody. It helps users. It helps developers, and it ultimately helps Apple. Um, so I really hope that that's that like getting rid of the old watch support is in the cards. And I, and I don't I don't think that's that like cruel or brutal to the people who still use those watches because the watch is in daily use. Basically, every day that you use the watch, you're adding a cycle to that battery, and that battery is not designed to have useful battery life after two or three years and they stopped selling that watch what two years ago or a year and a half ago or something so a year like, and a half ago i think it was yeah so like you couldn't have bought it more you know more recently than a year and a half ago brand new from apple 
you know maybe you know there's used sales and everything but like for the most part like that stopped being sold a year and a half ago so like by the time this fall comes that's going to be about two years since it stopped being sold those batteries aren't going to be in great shape and yes you could maybe get them replaced for less money than a new watch i don't know how much they charge but that's probably the case uh but that's going to naturally cycle out a lot of these and then when you combine it with the christmas season that's going to really like cause you can see in your graph like you can see christmas really changes things for watch sales like it, it's like a big spike of the new ones replacing the old ones and just general numbers going up right oh yeah i mean it's it's a, i think it's like the series three apple watch jumped in usage as a percent like maybe eight or nine percent on christmas day like, yeah exactly it, it was this massive jump which is fair enough it's a great gift it's a you know it's it's a yeah. and it, it's at a price point where it it's certainly an expensive gift but it's not this it's not like buying someone a macbook pro um it is a very reasonable thing and it's you know clearly the numbers show that you know there'll be i would expect they'll come out with whatever the series four watch this fall and that that following christmas there'll be another big jump and so you would expect the cycle to continue of these older watches just kind of falling out of use or at least, uh, you know, falling out of active use enough that um, they don't need to be as, as much of a priority or a focus. Exactly. So I really hope, you know, if, if you if you extrapolate like, you know, after this Christmas, the usage of the Series Zero is probably going to be below 10%, I bet. And that's I think that is a very safe time for Apple to say, you know what, you know, watch OS five coming out in October doesn't need to support these. So I, I hope they do. Yeah, and I think it's probably fair to say, like with so much of these things, like I think what you're right that clearly Apple doesn't have to drop support f- for the Series Zero watch in order to make Watch OS more capable. Um, you know, they, they could certainly continue to do that. I think it's one of these like and I think though if they did that, it it just creates the situation where a there's just all you know anytime there's confusion amongst users as to what is possible and what isn't um i think it makes my life harder it makes apple's life harder where you know i have a screenshot in my app of something that is capable that is capable of doing and then do i need like a disclaimer you know not on the series zero yeah um like dude it's the same thing with apple's communication like is it, it it's really it confuses everything and so it makes it a lot simpler to say you know, I'm sorry, um, that version just doesn't work for, um, you know, it, it isn't able to do this, you need to buy a new one. And as a, as a customer, I know that feeling is not great. If someone, you know, it's like this thing that I've, especially if someone has been wearing their Series Zero Apple Watch every, um, you know, every single day and since, since they got it, um, you know, years ago, and then all of a sudden saying, it's like, I'm sorry, it's not supported anymore. And, you know, it's with, it's with watchOS especially, it gets really complicated because if you're, you know, you, you can, you'll, you can up you'll you'll start to get into this funny place where you install you know iOS twelve and then you'll be still running watchOS four and so that the 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 interplay between those may become uh, less reliable. I think I've seen from from some experience that you know because these two things have to play nicely together that could be problematic and so it may feel like a step back. But I don't know. I just hope that this is this is a direction they go because I think even if, even if they didn't have to drop the Series Zero in order to make it more capable, I think it would make it easier for them to justify it because I feel like so much of what is limiting watchOS is is battery performance. I think there's other things going on. I think RAM, like you said, is certainly a component to it. But in my experience, so many of the limiting choices seem to be around uh, battery life. You know, things like file transfers or file downloading to the watch is ridiculously slow in most cases because it's being done over Bluetooth, presumably for battery life reasons, that it's able to do that with using less power um, in theory than 
if it was using a Wi-Fi connection or, a, or an LTE connection, um, where it's using, you know, a bigger radio t- to make that happen. Like, I understand that that's definitely going to be a battery life thing. And these Series Zero watches, at least from all reports that I, I have from people who still use them, the battery life on them is not good. You know, it, they are very strongly coming down. And so, um, which on the plus side means I've heard from a lot of people who said they're expecting this fall to get a new Apple Watch, that that's sort of their plan because the Series Zero is getting to a point that it can't get through a day on a charge. Um, and if, if your watch, if you can't put your watch on the charger at night and pick, you know, pick it up in the morning um, and have it last the whole day, it's not really a watch at that point. Like it's more of a bracelet. Like <laughs> right, it, exactly. it really, it's a very nice bracelet. Yeah, it's, it's, it can be a lovely bracelet to, <laughs> to wear, but it's really not uh, serving its purpose. And so, I mean, and I, as someone who makes a sleep tracker, I want you to be able to wear your Apple Watch, you know, all the time and just like charge it while you take a shower in the morning and uh, have it be totally fine, which for a series three, for me, you know, I work out, you know, an, an hour a day at least and only really charge my watch, uh, you know, when I'm sh- when I'm taking a shower and it works fine. I, I, you know, the Series 3, that works fine for me. And then every now and then you'll sort of gr- maybe once a week, I charge it one other time um, and it's fine because the battery life is just so good. And, you know, that that's a lovely experience and hopefully one that, you know, more people will be able to take advantage of um, this fall. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye.